Can a marriage survive infidelity? We dig deep to explore this thorny question. Join me, Jean-Claude Chalmet, and founder of The Place Retreats and a featured columnist for The Times, with Amy Cooper and Louise Daniels, on The Place Retreats podcast. Search Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite Android app. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to your next episode. Welcome back. I'm Amy. And uh, listen, you didn't think you were going to get away with listening to this episode without me reminding you about our live gig that we're doing on Thursday the 17th of June go to darkhorsedigital.co.uk and you can actually reserve your uh, tickets to either watch it um, streamed live into Facebook um, and it's going to be amazing with comedians with actual legs walking around a stage it's going to be me your girl you know me Um, whether 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 I fail or whether I thrive it will be Uh, it's just going to be great it will be worth a watch we can all like cringe later after it but we've got um, Jem Brister who is an amazing comedian we've got uh, Clinton Baptiste who was in Phoenix Nights and a friend of the podcast uh, Rich Wilson emceeing the whole thing so uh, go and get your tickets now Thursday the 17th of June Um, I just trying to think Uh, we'll put the link to the show notes um and come along and enjoy yeah meet us there so so you can get your tickets to either be there if you're in kent or to have it live streamed into your smartphone go to darkhorsedigital.co.uk drop your email address in there and the rest will magically happen so today we are discussing breakups aren't we louise yep we Um, are absolutely the good the bad the conscious uh, conscience Conscious uncoupling. Do you remember that? Yes. <laughs> um, we've just had a really good old chat with Rosie Wilby. Rosie is a stand-up comic, a podcaster and an author. And in her latest book, The Breakup Monologues, she examines through her own experiences and stories from other people and also experts. Um, she examines the topic of what we can learn from our breakups, you know, why they are vital parts of our personal growth and actually badges to be worn with pride rather than shame eventually. Mm. I think that's yeah. the point, isn't it? Yeah. 
and you know breaking up a relationship of any kind rarely happens without desperate heartache and mm. um the emotions involved can be very complex as we discussed with rosie and you know in her podcast also called the breakup monologues rosie um harnesses the power of sharing stories um as she does in the book um and uh, our conversation um obviously involves a bit of oversharing from amy um <laughs> standard so, yeah. uh, so here's our conversation with rosie wilby one size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on same goes for healthcare. that's why united healthcare offers flexible budget-friendly coverage for medical vision dental and more learn more at uh1.com there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss that's plushcare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss this is Paige, the co-host of giggly squad and i want to tell you about a company that i've been loving olive and june olive and june gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box and if you break it down it really comes out to two dollars a manicure which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. So, Rosie, uh, you're described as the self-styled lesbian Louis Theroux, <laughs> which I love. Uh, and the book is a mixture of memoir and investigation. Uh, you know, you, your own experiences, your relationship with your girlfriend is put under the microscope. And there's friends' <laughs> stories and also expert input from relationship therapists and scientists and sociologists. So tell us about uh, the, the breakup monologues. How did it come about and how do you get dubbed the queen of breakups on Radio 4? <laughs> it's quite an accolade, isn't it? I mean, yeah. if, you, if you become the queen of breakups, does it mean you're just really bad at relationships? <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> um, but what happened was 10 years ago now, I got dumped by email. Oh. And yeah, well, I, I always joke it. Uh, on stage that I did feel much better once I'd corrected her spelling <laughs> and, <laughs> and punctuation. Yeah, yeah, good. <laughs> of course, you know, yeah, and changed the font, actually, yeah. yes. Oh, I love the petty reaction <laughs> to that. That's yeah. brilliant. Um, <laughs> but... Um, yeah, I mean, I, actually, it was it was a traumatic experience, as mm. breakups often are. So it set me off on a course of writing a trilogy of comedy shows that I toured around the world, which were investigating the psychology of love and relationships. And whilst they were comedy shows, they were also quite sciencey and had a lot of real information in there and my own exploration and journey into better understanding how I might have 
have healthier and better relationships, communicate better with partners in the future. And so the final part of that trilogy was all about breakups and that led me to go and do my podcast, The Breakup mm. Monologues, mm. and then turn that podcast into a book, which has a few... Um, of the funniest moments from the podcast and most interesting moments, but is largely, as you say, my own story now of trying to stay in a mm. relationship with my partner. Who's just uh, referred to who... as the girlfriend all the way through. We have, <laughs> I don't think we ever get her. Can you not tell us her name? No. <laughs> I can. I can. Indeed. She's called Suze. Okay. Um, it's just actually in the book, I thought it was fun to just call her girlfriend. Yeah. I mean, you've given That's her an extra No, the. not the. You're right. Just girlfriend. Yeah. She's just girlfriend. Girlfriend, just girlfriend. <laughs> um, yeah, so so it's very much a book that's as much about staying together as it is about breaking up, because I think those two things are quite intertwined. Because I think we actually learn from our breakups how we might stay in our future relationships and indeed choose better partners that we actually want to stay with. Yeah. Um, but you're right. Radio Four did call me the queen of breakups when I appeared on Saturday Live, which was it was quite. Fun. I thought I should get a little crown, but they didn't yeah. have one. Oh, well, yeah. disappointing. But <laughs> um, so can we just go through you cite in the book seven main reasons for breakups that your friend, a therapist, came up with. Um, yeah, and they were. I'll just go through them quickly. So, sexual problems, including mismatched libidos and affairs, incompatibility around money, domestic issues um, arising from living together, drug and alcohol addiction, untreated mental health conditions, abuse, and conflicts over autonomy and intimacy. Um, and I would, I, I, I've sat, I sat and thought about breakups that I've had, and just thought, yeah, yeah, I, mm. I, I would agree with those that list of seven. But also, it does strike me um, that the initial choosing of a partner is a really complex thing, and that's going to ultimately impact on whether or not people split up. So, mm. you know, that sort of <laughs> early attraction to someone, yeah. and. Um, you know, the analysing of their character and the, the decision to pair up, all of that's going to be influenced on on our own experiences and relationships in life so far. So with our parents, with our friends, watching how other, other people's relationships um, play out. Um, and I, I, it just got me thinking. So um, I have a friend whose dad shagged around a lot when she was younger. He was like mm. enormous fun, but totally selfish. And no woman ever mm. you know, held his loyalty. Um, and this friend now, basically, she makes one disastrous choice after another when it comes to men. Um, and I've noticed that any bloke who's nice to her or treats her with respect, she kind of views them as a, a bit yeah. boring. Um, and she mm. always dumps the nice ones. And she's attracted to the bastards who always dump her mm. in one way or another. So uh, what does that fall under? Does that fall loosely under like mental, the mental health aspect? What I mean, there are women, well, and men who, you know, yeah. who, uh, who do that. Uh, you know, what, uh, what, what do those people need to do? Do they just need therapy or... Yeah. <laughs> Well, actually, I mean, we joke, don't we? Yeah, but but probably yes. Um, mm. I have had therapy um, before I got... I mean, I didn't have therapy for very long because she was frightfully expensive, but she was very good. Mm. Um, but, um, yeah, I did have therapy before I got into what 
it coincidentally happens to be the healthiest relationship I've ever had. So, you know, uh-huh. I think it can help us to communicate in relationships, articulate our boundaries and understand who we are, what we want and what yeah. we need. Yeah. And yeah, I think a good therapist yeah. can help you. A bad therapist, maybe not so much, but yeah. Yeah. there are I've some. Too. So choosing a therapist <laughs> is actually just as complex as choosing a partner. Yeah. But I, I think you're right that many of us repeat unhealthy patterns and we are drawn to some kind of narrative that we're trying to fix something in our past we're often Mm. drawn to familiar pain and sadly abuse i mean in my community i mean i'm a gay woman and i see lots of women who are drawn to really crappy women who are going to treat them badly so it's not just in the heteronormative heterosexual world as well you know unfortunately sometimes if we've had bad experiences we are sort of like you say bored by those comfortable kind of experiences and i think it's it's interesting isn't it because there's this conflict between our you know that sexual chemistry and the more enduring compatibility which are almost two different types of love and Mm. attraction and i really had quite i was wrestling with these two two ideas and how they can often be at odds in my first book which was all about monogamy and because I was in a relationship where I got on well with my partner and I have stayed friends with my partner because lesbians often do because it's a small community and (laughs) sometimes there's no one else to be friends with Um, (laughs) um, but we we had you know a lovely relationship and sort of enjoyed living together But I think our sexual chemistry was a bit off, partly because it had been the wrong time when I met her. I was still grieving over my past breakup and hadn't processed it or understood it because I didn't have the information that I needed about what had happened. So I wasn't in the right space to make that sexual connection with her. And so that was the part that was a bit off in our relationship. So I was really on this kind of quest at that stage in my life to address whether you know you could sort of outsource that bit of your relationship if your partnership was really good in every other Mm. way and could you have an open relationship I mean my ventures with that were not very successful I um I went to a lesbian sauna night thinking it was going to be a hedonistic orgy but we all just ended up tidying up and folding (laughs) towels seem to work in the same way i'm no good at casual sex i'm rubbish at it i i actually really need a connection with somebody but yeah oh but i kind of feel frustrated i feel frustrated uh, you know because i think of male friends of mine straight and gay who you know they can remove sex Mm. from love sometimes and and separate those two things a bit more i think generally speaking and it is obviously a bit of a generalisation. I think women seem to find that more difficult. And mm. it, it is very complex. Yeah. I think it's us. the fantasy thing, isn't it? It's like uh, it, the idea of that, it sounds really horny and like, oh yeah, but but then when it actually comes to it and the execution <laughs> of it, I mean, I, yeah, I'm kind of like, oh, actually I would rather tidy up. <laughs> <laughs> get, 
get these countertops nice and clean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very satisfying, isn't it? <laughs> maybe, yeah. Maybe I'm just maybe you know I'm just not I'm not looking for the opportunities in the right areas. <laughs> um, so I love the subtitle of your book, "The Unexpected Joy of Heartbreak," and um, I think for anyone who's listening to this and who's broken up with someone and they're still madly in love with them, and, and it's going to be tricky mm. to get your head around that. And I guess it is all uh, it's all a matter of timing and processing. But can you do you think you you could distill sort of how on earth a breakup can bring unexpected joy eventually? Yeah, um, I really do think eventually there can be a good side to breakups. I think there's a positive energy that can be harnessed for good and sort of repurposed as this force for good rather than this kind of rage and pain that can drive us to destructive acts of revenge. For example, in the uh, Museum of Broken Relationships in Zagreb, there, one of the exhibits oh. is the axe that a woman from Berlin used to chop up her lover's furniture. Oh, um, just their furniture? I'd probably do <laughs> Oh, yes, you would think you'd chop up her but yeah, no, I think it can be once you've got through the very difficult grieving and sadness and painful stage, it can be this really transformative time. I know women who have suddenly become triathletes. They've oh. launched an amazing business. Oh. I, I started comedy after a breakup and I've done other interesting projects in between relationships when I've been in that single space where you're suddenly your own project and you have time you have headspace and often when we're in a couple even if we're really happy in that relationship we sometimes limit ourselves because yeah. we are in that sort of coziness that that domestic yeah. bubble and we don't always push ourselves and challenge ourselves in the same way that we might do when we're sort of facing the storms of self-reflection yeah mm. yeah absolutely well we had um funnily enough uh, helen thorne from uh, scummy mummies was on the podcast oh, uh, yes. earlier this year and she talked about becoming single you know which happened just after lockdown uh, last March um, yeah. and she was talking about the sort of a real empowerment of realising you know that other people fancied her that was she just <laughs> found that fantastic but also you know she's brought out a book she's just you know and yeah. every, you know what you just said there you know she immediately just springs to mind I mean she somebody. makes divorce look tempting yeah. for me at this point <laughs> I, I've got stuff to do Rosie I, I've got things that I, um, it's, it's my marriage that's holding me back <laughs> Absolutely. I know yeah I mean I Absolutely. Helen Helen is very inspiring, isn't she? I've, mm. I've interviewed her on my podcast yes. as well. Yeah. But she absolutely encompasses that that what I call breakup energy. Yeah. Um, that that kind of vibrancy that we feel, you know, like when you've come out of a relationship, you sort of find yourself going to the shop for a pint of milk, but just thinking, oh, you know, I wonder the if I'll meet anyone. Yeah. yeah. Suddenly there are possibilities, aren't there? Whereas yeah. when you're in a relationship, the, those possibilities aren't there because you've committed to somebody and you're going to be faithful to them and, and yeah. you can't you, you know you're not going to get off with somebody in the local shop I mean you're probably <laughs> not going to anyway but the possibility is yeah, there isn't it absolutely the anticipation isn't it yeah so I guess what you're saying is that once you have licked your wounds you sat in the shower tray crying uh, <laughs> once you once you process that then it like there, there is there's some light at the end of the tunnel and I, I love the idea of somebody listening to this driving along now who is in that in the debt because it is so 
so painful, isn't oh. it? I mean, we're joking oh. right now, but it's you just yeah. that you're you, you're it's it's like the shame. You're humiliated. Your heart's broken. Your pride is a bit bruised. But actually, there is there's there's, a, there's life after a, a relationship and after heartbreak, isn't there? Oh God, the so the so is, and there've actually been studies that have been done that show people actually reporting that they felt they had grown and developed and learned and actually were able now to make better partner choices going mm. forwards. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, it, so in the book, it's not just breakups from romantic relationships that you examine. You address the breakup of friendships, of professional relationships, and um, yeah. and we'll talk about those in a minute. But with all of them, there's a grief process, isn't there? And feelings that are similar to when someone dies. And um, mm. I think you talked about the uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross grief stages, the shock, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. But I know they're yeah. not necessarily in that order. Um mm-hmm. But the anger stage, you know, I'm pretty sure if, um, if, if Paul left me, um, I would cling to unforgiveness and rage. And, uh, you know, I would be clearing out the bank account, burning yeah. his possessions. I'd be attempting to turn our children against him. It would be ugly. You'd end up in that museum, I would Louise. end up in that museum. That's why I was <laughs> like, what? There's a museum for... You know, it would be really ugly and, and deeply unhealthy for, for everyone. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, we've been together for over 30 years, but I sometimes wonder if he's just that he's too terrified to leave because he knows what I'm like but um you know <laughs> hell hath no fury that that phrase that would be me yeah that would be personified by me so the ultimate aim is to arrive at acceptance and then move on isn't it and yeah how do people achieve that or is it just you just it's, it's there's no answer and you just have to go through backwards and forwards through those stages <laughs> yeah. well i think to some extent you do because it's um i don't think the stages necessarily work in order or to a particular timeline mm. for everybody i think we're all different and recovery from something like this is very individual and particularly because it's likely to trigger other traumas and other events other memories so sometimes you're not actually grieving the breakup itself maybe if you've had a short fling and you kind of think god why do i feel so awful i only you know was i only knew this person for a couple of weeks yeah (laughs) sometimes it's triggered something really terrible from your childhood i mean i talk about in the book about this woman who i had a couple of dates with and it really did kind of bring up all this stuff for me about being bullied at school and kind of feeling excluded and sort of feeling not in uh, in the same kind of privileged position mm. and not having the same status as somebody and it it was very it had echoes of all these uncomfortable things for me mm. so i i think we have to be careful when we think there's some kind of script but that said there are lots of things that will help like spending time with your friends and talking things through with them um, you know even eating chocolate can help yeah. which is oh, nice, isn't it? especially yeah. rosie that is so perceptive of you to know that that those few dates are triggered that like how how have you be, how have you become so evolved is it you've had a good therapist or have you got a background in sort of psychology because that to put those to connect those dots mm. is is amazing i think 
actually writing about all this stuff. I think writing a book, doing a podcast, it makes you think more deeply about what mm. you're investigating and a lot of what why you're investigating breakups, even though you might try to do it as broadly as possible and include lots of other different people's stories. You're actually trying to get to the bottom of your own questions about what is going on for you. Um, and you're trying to do that in a way that is interesting for other people <laughs> to read yeah. about um, because you're trying to come up with answers that might yeah. help other people too but I think when we can connect the dots between different experiences we can understand why they are causing us pain yeah <laughs> and yeah. hopefully try and and that and would help you move, move on, on. A bit from that anger wouldn't it you know oh sort of absolutely just putting it all on that person if you sort of understand what Oh. why am i feeling like this what's yeah yeah i yeah. mean we all bring our own shit to every transaction that we have like you said yeah. before whether that is romantic or professional or platonic or the podcast you know i always make it about me always well, yeah, yeah. I and mean, that's just something we've all had to bend over and take louise quite frankly <laughs> okay we're going to move on now to ghosting and um Ooh. i just want to tell you my ghosting story <gasps> great oh, yes. so basically I, oh yeah can we get the overshare jingle yeah. um so i was about i was probably about sort of early 20s living up north um started seeing this guy oh talk about that thing that thing you just said before has triggered me because i'm kind of like he was just gorgeous and and you know when you feel a bit like oh i'm so i'm i'm not worthy and oh and and uh he'd been to my i had a little flat in manchester at the time so he'd been over to my i i was never invited him i'd never gone to him you see how i'm making i'm already Mm. i'm already connecting dots that probably that i think he probably had a family i don't know but he was he was Mm. a lot older than me he was probably in his late 30s even that i'm kind of like oh a bit dodgy anyway Mm. so we we, we've been seeing each other like like i guess shagging going out whatever uh, nights out whatever like you do um for maybe four or five six months it got to new it got to sort of new year's eve so we had these plans to come down we're going to come down to london but but he, he said, meet me in London. So meet me in London. Get the train down and I'll yeah. meet you at King's Cross. So I got three of my friends. This was in the days, Rosie, when we were having a silk car on the train. <laughs> <laughs> we're having, we're not even in the smoking silk. carriage. We're actually having a silk car, you know, in the, on the train. And we got there. Was it, I, I, used to, I used to have those extra light silk cuts because I was rubbish at smoking as a student. Yeah. But I, I wanted to try and join in. <laughs> Yeah, I, I might as well have had been. one of those sweetie ones that was like a, just a sugar. <laughs> with the talcum powder coming out. Yes. Um, yeah, so we, we arrived at King's Cross. I'm with my two two friends. So the three of us and we're all dolled up. And, uh, you know, obviously, the, you know, all the arrangements have been made where we're going. Da, 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 but we got there. And it just didn't fucking show up. Oh. It didn't show up. And, uh... Oh my god, and I just never heard from him oh my again. God. And even now, I'm thinking there is a part of me even now that's thinking, what? okay, my last name has changed because I'm now married. <laughs> I know he's listening to this, and I know that he, I, like, he'd be like, oh, Amy, I feel so bad about that. I feel really bad about the way that went down. Yeah, like uh, so that's uh, narrowing it down. His, uh, uh, but his, that's his a record. shitty thing to do. Awful, isn't it? ghosting awful. someone. And, and so, so, but that was before ghosting was like. Go- I yes. guess it was. It was sort of pre. Um, you know, like, I think maybe I had a pager or a Blackberry or a Palm Pilot <laughs> at the time. It was before GPS or Find Your Friend, uh, you know. And, um, and I was had so... a fax machine. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, um, the, uh, the the telegram case, the telegram has never arrived. God, I'm so old. Um, but yeah, it, it, it I, I was I was embarrassed because I was with my friends and 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 it it, it, it and it was New Year, so it was just it was just. But um, this happens all the time, I guess, doesn't it? And and you know, I guess it's it's a shitty thing to do, obviously. He was a complete coward, but people do that every day. What's, um, I guess, what? how traumatised am I on a scale of one to ten to be sitting here 20 years <laughs> later talking about it? Do you oh think, do you think, yeah, do you think that that, that lack of closure... It still sounds raw, doesn't it? What do you think? <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> but it is, it's yeah. lack of closure, it, is it? It's that ambiguous yeah, loss, yeah. isn't it? Mm, yeah, It yeah. really is. That's the thing, you're left wondering what on earth yeah. happened. Mm. And I think not having the information is really, really annoying, particularly if you're one of the kind of people like I am who needs to understand things. I've got quite a scientific mind, I think. So it's yeah. really helped me to understand some of the psychology of love and, and why breakups feel so terrible because we feel like we're withdrawing from a drug. And I think it helps to understand these kinds of things. But when somebody doesn't give you the information, it's like, oh, what, you know, what, what happened? It's <laughs> so weird, weird, isn't it? I mean, I would just try and tell myself that that person, they clearly are dead. Yeah. I mean, you know. <laughs> what? I mean, yeah. what? There was someone in, uh, in your book, though, that, she, that he'd gone to prison. Oh, that was He was right. ghosted. Yeah, he'd gone she to thought prison. she'd been ghosted. Yeah. I mean, um, and I suppose, how do you deal with it then? If you've been ghosted, uh, you, you're going to have that grief process. There's going to be a delay to it, isn't there? And I... Yeah, yeah it's going to be there's going to be a confusion because you're left with some kind of hope that they are going to um, they are going to pop up again. And the, the most cruel thing about the sort of modern forms of ghosting in the digital world mm. is that there are now these um, kind of spin offs of ghosting like submarining. It's what called where, where you do ghost someone, but then you pop up again oh my and then God. you go away again. Which, oh, so that's be, awful. God, that. But to be doing that, you've got to be. There's got to be something not right. Oh, something wrong with you. Yeah. <laughs> and the other, and the other one is Marleying. So, as in the the ghost of Marley, and oh. that's where you pop up again at Christmas. Oh, have a Christmas fling. No way! Oh my God! Oh my God! Yeah, just if you were just a bit bored for the festive season. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, oh dear, they're horrible people. Yeah. Have, have you ever I been know, ghosted? It's a shame, Rosie? isn't it? <laughs> have, yeah. you, have you ever been have ghosted? Have I been ghosted? Um, no, well, no, I don't think I have. No, I've not been ghosted. But for me, being dumped by email 10 years ago, yes. yeah. and I think that shows how things have moved on because then that seemed really, after a five-year relationship, it seemed quite yeah. uh, quite abrupt. Like yeah. I was still, I'm quite old school. I was still expecting a, you know, a heart to heart, out, a, yeah. you know, a kind of, <laughs> I don't know, some terrible teary meeting in a Starbucks, you yeah. know. Um, but I, I don't, I don't know if that can always necessarily be that helpful, anyway. But just an email seemed, it seemed quite difficult because I think my control had been taken away. It didn't right. feel like it was a negotiation. It was someone had made a decision, and I think that is what's really hard. There's actually a lovely episode of my podcast where I talk to Jessica Fosterkey, mm -hmm. and she talks about. How when she was breaking up with the father of her child she said you know conversation has to be i i am breaking up with you that's not up for discussion mm -hmm. but the way we do it how we do it how we move forwards how we co-parent all of that is and the kind of pace at which we do all this is absolutely 
up for discussion. Yeah. And I think you've got to give somebody some kind of agency, otherwise yes. they just feel like they're sort of nothing, they're very insignificant. And that, I think, is almost the hardest part of... Mm of the whole process is mm. is feeling that you're somehow invisible so somebody if your ex even if they're the one to sort of make the decision if they can give you some kind of power and control i, I think it, it helps if you've yeah. got some kind of control over part of how the process goes yeah i <laughs> yeah. guess it, it's untangle it's on if, if you want to end a relationship it is kind of untangling it with the most grace and the most kindness and compassion that you that you can isn't it mm. yeah mm. sometimes it's hard though isn't it yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I used to after I got dumped by email. I've not shared this anywhere actually. Um, Ooh, what a psychopath! <laughs> um, I had a photo of her on a breadboard, which I would stab every morning. <laughs> Excellent. So do, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's just unpack this. Did you get the breadboard with her face on it after you'd split up, or was it like a, a novelty Christmas present? Oh, no, it, it wasn't. A, I mean, I. Blue tacked it to a bird. It. it wasn't like a novelty thing I specially paid to create. <laughs> right. I thought, you know, you can get those breadboards that are sort of bespoke and customised and personalised. Uh, right. Okay. okay. So it was. It, yeah, like this a was a very lo fi uh, version of such a thing. I mean, it, I, if I was going to buy something, I suppose a dartboard. Dart, yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's, the, uh, it's the gluten version of the dartboard, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, it's funny. So let's talk about relationships. Relationship, uh, sorry, friendships. Um, you've chatted yes. with Kate Lever, who wrote The Friendship Cure, about friendship breakups. And um, th oh, this is another one. It's kind of, um, I, I mean, I know, Louise, pride, you pride yourself, don't you, Louise, on having a group of friends that you've yeah, had for many, but, many years. But I have been dumped once by, um, <gasps> and it was 10 years ago. And, and oh, she's she still smart. She ghosted me as well. Mm. But she actually it wasn't just me. It was like a little group of us. But we'd known each other since primary school. And, yeah, she just like, so, and that was, I mean, it was so traumatic mm. that, you know, I, mm. I just, when I realised it was happening, um, and I think it took me months to, I was like, that's funny. <laughs> She's not replying. Like, we were best friends. She's just not getting I don't, still don't, still don't know what, what the happened. fuck I did. Yeah. No. Well, I think she had stuff going on. Yeah, I'm going to, obviously, mm. black, I mean, it can't have been me. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> but it, it just, yeah, it felt like um, a death and very personal mm. um, to the point where I, I said to Paul at one point, I said, right, if I die at any point, you make sure that bitch doesn't rock up at my funeral because like, she, I don't want her turning up because she wants to be seen to be... I said I, I said, I want her oh. very much cast aside. I want that coming from my grave, you know, really bitter, nasty, you know. You know at this point, Rose, you'd wonder why anyone didn't want to be friends with Louise. <laughs> you can't imagine. Yeah, who are you? <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. So what came of your discussions with uh, with Kate Kate Lever? Um, it, it well, can be exactly. More... Sorry, go yeah, on. exactly as you're saying. Really, it's it's almost more personal, and I think people had an even harder time talking about friendship breakups because mm. we don't really have the same script for grieving yeah. them. We don't really have the same songs and films no. and breakup kind of. Yeah, like I say, those scripts that we follow. So, yeah, it was so interesting to talk to Kate. She's fantastic. 
I've seen her speak. She came to our um, WI in uh, Tumbridge Wells, which sounds terrible, but it's a really, really cool WI. I mean, honestly, it's the coolest in Britain. Um, but and she came to yeah talk to us once, and uh, yeah, was, that was really interesting. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think as you say, there's no format for grieving in the same way as a romantic breakup, is there? So. But it can feel, you know, really, um, well, as I say, obviously, I'm still, it's been 10 years for my friend, um, and I'm still furious. So, do you know, it's funny because I do <laughs> I have stuck at anger. <laughs> <laughs> I've got quite a few sort of friendship bones in the graveyard mm. of, uh, when I look back uh, and kind of like, God, the one common, the one common factor is me. Oh. Do you know what I mean? Oh. I kind of just, I, I, I'm not a great communicator, right? Like, even at the age of 43, but if I look back on the past sort of, two three decades yeah I, I just it, it, maybe it does it all does come down to sort of communication at the end of yeah. the day doesn't it yeah i mean yeah yeah uh, so we, let's just think again about ro- romantic relationships so we all know we i think we all know and we understand it's like absolutely impossible to maintain that exciting passionate oxytocin fueled first stage <laughs> of a relationship because i mean we die of exhaustion for a start but um also <laughs> um life's mundanity kicks in eventually what so what is the key to staying together then for you know once all that (laughs) dies down yeah i mean i think i'm really careful in the book to kind of display the ups and downs of my relationship Mm. in quite a humdrum everyday way and you know those kind of petty annoyances Mm. and show that it really does require patience actually to keep a relationship going and particularly when you're two midlife women Mm. in a relationship and I think there's one chapter hormonal hell where I talk about the sort of Russian roulette of being in a lesbian (laughs) relationship in your 40s and how you know it's kind of just as important to check your partner's hormonal cycle in the diary as it is your own so you know where she's at what mood she's going to be on any particular day so that yeah there's a chapter set on this very cramped boat where we have this little holiday on a boat and yeah we're both due on and the tempers fray every time we get to one of the locks oh god (laughs) (laughs) like dead calm rosie (laughs) yes just like that (laughs) um paul has um i I don't have a period at but but paul my husband who who also is the technical guy here um he has a period app. I don't know which one it is he's got, but he's got it and he tracks my period so that he knows, so he knows when to avoid you. When, when to just let things slide, you know, when I'm being completely unreasonable and perhaps a bit spiky and, you know, um, and he just knows like, okay, don't, yeah, don't pull her up on that. Don't start a row because it's, it's, it's that sort of time, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, I think worth obviously worth keeping an eye on. Um, I love that. I love that. Mm. I mean, we're all sort of living much longer now than our ancestors ever did. Is it actually realistic to think that one person and one partnership for life can actually meet you know our modern needs and i love how we're asking every question rosie like we just expect you to have an answer like, <laughs> yes, yes, yes i'm the sage the wise wise sage of relationships yes. oh i mean look you know re- relationship therapists and experts um have do have lots of answers to this too but i'm i'm kind of using my personal experience and everything i've learned mm. from all these really fascinating mm. people that i've spoken to and i have amassed some really really interesting information about how relationships work and yeah like like you say monogamy is so challenging now and I did my whole Mm. first book all about monogamy and that was the middle part of my trilogy of comedy shows as well and 
I think we've adapted the meaning of monogamy. It came from the Greek originally, monos gamos, meaning one marriage for life. And now we kind of mean one marriage at a time. Mm -hmm. And we're typically more serially monogamous and we have different people at different parts of our lives and indeed a few people now are starting to become polyamorous and have yeah. mm. more than one relationship at the same time all consensually negotiated and all sort of very ethical i love the fact that in that community there's a whole new language springing up like if you have reached your threshold of partners you can say you're polysaturated oh, <laughs> brilliant um but yeah i think it's so difficult to find one person to meet all our needs and um in fact when i was doing that show about monogamy i found out that 50 percent of people in many surveys confess to cheating so i always say to nervous audiences that if you are in a monogamous relationship and you're not Ooh. cheating yeah, you've got to look because the maths is not good on that, is it? Really, oh. I know. Also, yeah. you said before about the ancient. What, what was the, uh, the the origin of monogamous? What, what was uh, so from the Greek monos gamos? So I wonder how many in those like like the women were being monogamous, but the men were fucking around. Yeah. Surely, come oh, on, absolutely, with their togas All on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All of these structures are patriarchal, aren't yes. they, in our society? Yeah. It's all about policing and controlling female sexuality. Um, I talk very briefly in my book about how I my ideal might be to be a female bonobo because they have a matriarchal society. And the reason they have a matriarchal society is because they have really ginormous clitorises and they... <laughs> The females really enjoy rubbing them together and having lots of lesbian sex, which is, it sounds much more, <laughs> less physically awkward than yes. human lesbian sex. And, <laughs> and so because of that, the, the women are having such great time with one another that they form all these bonds and sort of help each other gather fruit and all this kind of stuff. And the men, the male bonobos are just, you know, popping up Decorative. now and then to go, oh, you know, could we, yeah, they're sort of... They're Between lesser. men, exactly. Yeah, I mean, they, and so they just need them occasionally, you know, to mate or whatever. Yeah. Um, but the women in, or the females in bonobo society have, have the power, hold the power, because they're having such a great time together. And, you know, the men are sort of like, oh, could we have some sex sometime, yeah. please? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we've got to help one another as yeah, women. I absolutely. mean, you know, we don't have to necessarily sit on a branch rubbing our clitorises together. Um, <laughs> Although that's optional. But, yeah, you know, <laughs> summer's is. coming, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to let you go I mean, in a minute, of, Rosie. We're out of lockdown now, so who yeah. knows? We're all going crazy. Wear a mask, maybe. All but... bets are off at this point. <laughs> yeah. um, before you go, um, can I just share with you, actually, both of you, my I have a theory um, about heterosexual relationships um, ending and the difference between men and women in those relationships. So can I just run it past you both and see what you think? Just because um, yeah, so people have disagreed with me. It's just, just my theory. There's no research into it, uh, apart from my own <laughs> observations. The best yeah, I mean, uh, people have disagreed with me on this, but I am yet to have this theory disproved. So here's my theory. Women are more likely to end a relationship if they're deeply unhappy, whether or not they have someone else waiting. But men will only 
actually leave when they definitely have another woman waiting in the wings you know and even when men insist that there's no one else Mm. um you know if they go you know if men leave you will always discover perhaps a little bit down the line but you will always discover that there has been an overlap and it's yet to be disproved would you what what do you think do you agree with me or uh, go on rosie you go first (laughs) what do you think Oh, well, I think women are at that too, because actually my ex had a slight overlap, which I only found out about years later via Facebook, um, mm. when a sort of timeline of uh, someone's anniversary didn't quite add up. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not saying that they won't do that, women, but I think men just won't just leave because they're unhappy. I, I think they've got to have yeah, someone ready. I think I think you're absolutely right. Thank I think you. women... <laughs> Well, women generally, according to statistics, do end relationships more frequently. 75% of divorces or around that figure, certainly the last set of figures that I saw, um, 75% of women initiate divorces in the heterosexual world. And in the gay world, lesbians divorce at several times the rate of gay men. So there are different things you could read into that. Um, I think, yes, women, when they're unhappy do seem to um, prefer to call time on a relationship. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I've, I've met men who really wanted to still be connected to their partner, but they were kind of being frozen out and shut out. So, mm. you know, there are always different experiences yeah. and individual human beings behind the stories and the statistics, um, you know. So, uh, it's re- I mean... It, you know, I, I've heard of men who felt that maybe their wife had such a close, loving relationship with her best friend or her group of best friends that they felt excluded from oh, that. Just, well, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I kind of think in my thinking pragmatically with my non-monogamy hat on, I think there are lots of people who would class romantic relationships like the kind of very romantic loving friendships that women have with one another as a relationship Mm -hmm. so if you were looking at relationships through that lens in theory you could say a woman who has a best friend who she tells things she doesn't tell her husband who yeah you know Mm -hmm. that kind of thing you could argue that she has a relationship yeah that is a a primary relationship with another woman um Mm. and so these things are more complicated yeah, than once, think. you know we always complex, define things it? around mm. sex and around that seems to be the only form of relationship that we count as an affair or cheating no. whereas maybe you no. have somebody that you see all the time you speak to all the time and you're very much in love with them or have some kind of love connection with yeah. them so it's more i think it's more sophisticated than, than we it? might yeah. think yeah it's, it's quite nuanced it's nuanced but i do think you are right to a degree it does seem mm. to be women who want to end relationships more readily if mm. they're not happy but then i think at times in my sort of world i see women sometimes giving up on <laughs> relationships <laughs> Yeah, I mean, at the risk of uh, men bashing, I think that you are onto something, Louise, because it's sort of like if men are getting their meals cooked for them and getting mm, semi-regular, if if resentful, (laughs) reluctant sex, like like it's like, well, you know. But obviously, if if, I'll just stick with this, then. But for some, for for a catalyst to be someone else Mm. to to come along for them to end it, I I think. And obviously, I know it's not always the case, but 
if, there's an it's, anecdotal like, yeah. there's anecdotal I, I've um, been keeping an eye on this situation <laughs> for some time and I'm like yeah you know and we'll sit back and go no nobody else involved nobody else involved and then exactly mm. like you say Rosie then somebody will slip up on social media with like, exactly yeah. the timeline yeah, yeah timeline. And it's, it's always so unbelievable isn't it it's like oh yeah we just met yesterday and now we're living together it's like <laughs> hang on <laughs> Yeah. Rosie, can I ask you? Are you? Um, do you still? Uh, do you? St- are you still gigging as a, as a comedian? Are you still performing your your comedy? Uh, yeah, although obviously things have been really weird over the lockdown yeah. period, but I'm starting to get out and about again now Fabulous. with uh, some live recordings of the Breakup Monologues podcast that are going to be happening at festivals over oh, the summer. Fabulous. Just, just confirmed a date at the Underbelly Festival in London yeah. in August. So um, and also doing Wimbledon Book Festival and a few other festivals. And where can the people summer, find so. where you're going to be? Is it a website or? Yeah, well, it's probably best to follow me on social media is right. the best thing. I'm on Twitter at Rosie Wilby and on Instagram at Breakup Monologues. Right, brilliant. Well, we'll put, we'll put links all to all in. that in, yeah. the, in the show notes. Thank you so much, Rosie. That was really, really it's interesting. It's been a joy it's to been, talk yeah, to you. Thank, thank you. Join in the discussion with us by clicking on the Instagram links in the show notes. You can follow me at Louise Daniels Official. And me at Amy Cooper Forms. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Yeah, and I don't want to bang on about it, folks, but we're both really keen to get the Instagram swipe up facility, aren't we, Amy? So um, for which one needs 10,000 followers and we're both still just sort of hovering around the 1,200 mark. So, um, yeah. I mean, not, not to be desperate. No. But if look, you can... Fuck's sake, pull your fingers out. Go on, go. <laughs> a podcast from producer paul.co.uk. Bolandbranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details.